a favorite Ty Cobb memory? Memory? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know how old you think I am, but <laughs> I was not born in the time of Ty Cobb. But was he a Grand Slam winner? I have no idea. Or no, Triple about... Crown winner. Triple Crown winner. That's, I don't know anything about Ty Cobb. I gotta tell uh, you, that's dingers, ribbies, and runs. <laughs> I think. Let's take a look at Ty Cobb. I mean, he's a quotable guy, right? If I'm remembering Ty Cobb correctly. Um, was he a Yank, a beloved Yank, or was he a Red Sox? He appears to be wearing a, a uniform I don't recognize. He was <laughs> he was a a fail, Fairfield Marooner. <laughs> <laughs> Early days of organized sports. He played for Detroit. The oh the oh, tiger and, and his very later years with the with the Phillies. But he, he was an heir to Cecil Fielder. Yes, right. That's right. Um, Nineteen oh five was when he got his start. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't answered if he ever led the league in dingers, ribbies, and runs. Um, I I don't know. I'm Ted trying Kaminsky to that is that the guy who was really good? Who Kaminsky was he the one that had all the Ted triple Kaminsky? crowns? Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. All right, I don't know. Uh, we need to start a spinoff. Um, <laughs> early, early professional baseball league podcast <laughs> Ty Cobb records let's see I'll get you the answer mm. he was he's mostly known as a good quote right I don't know I usually you're not thinking of um Yogi Berra Yo, that's who I'm thinking of Yogi Berra <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay all right so he oh here we go during his 24-year big league career, that's a that's a long career. Cobb captured a record 11 or 11 in parentheses or 12 batting titles, batting over 400 three times, and Holy won the shit. 1909 Triple Crown. Yeah, but Simon, when I hear those numbers, all I want to know is what is his OB percentage? I don't know, but okay. I can tell you that he led the league at the time he retired. Um, in games played, at bats, runs, hits, total bases, and batting average. You know what his career batting average was? Uh, three eighty four. Very close. Three sixty six. Wow, incredible. That's like that's like MVP level batting average today, right? That's like yes. Mike. Oh, that's yeah. like Mike Trout. Good. <laughs> Who is like other than him and Judge, and if somehow Bartolo Colon is still on a team, those are basically the only three baseball players I currently know. You're a, you're a Colon <laughs> fanatic. I promise you, he's not. He didn't never really look the part of a baseball player. I don't. I, don't, I can't imagine he's still on a baseball team. No, maybe like a decadent food eating right. show host. Right, exactly. The alternate like food versus man host. <laughs> right, right. Comida versus cologne. Uh, okay, anyway, I think we've definitely uh, gotten to the point where we should welcome people back to another episode, Simon. Okay, folks, you better welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, let's get villainous! (laughs) We are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things... Nets Nation, but before, Simon, we get into all the ins and all the outs of Nets Nation, I have got to know, Nets Nation has got to know, how the heck are you? <laughs> I'm good. As I said off camera, a little tired. <laughs> Could use a um, coffee, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, baby. Did you know that Bartolo Colon's nickname was Big Sexy? 
<laughs> I believe the big part. No, I honestly don't remember what he looked like. I love that guy. Uh, the first game Claire and I ever went to, saw him play. He swung for a for uh, swung at a pitch and literally spit spun around when he missed hitting it. <laughs> he was just a fun time guy. I really liked him. Uh, he would talk about a guy with a long career. My word, he was in the season for decades. Looks like twenty one years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I guess this is the official maybe next time tip of the cap to Bartolo Colon, Simon. <laughs> and Ty Cobb. <laughs> and Ty Cobb and Kaminsky or whoever the hell we're thinking of. <laughs> and Yogi Berra, who I uh, misidentified for a, a good portion of right. our conversation. Right. I, don't, I don't know that they had quotes in that. I think they, you know... Carrier pigeons were doing most of the <laughs> right news carrying in those days. So. Right, anything you couldn't hammer out in Morse code wasn't getting <laughs> wasn't getting in the paper. <laughs> well, I think I'd say that I felt dot dash dot 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 dash dash dot dot dash. These post game quotes are always so formulaic. <laughs> Another three dots and a dash. Come on, guys. <laughs> Give us something to work with here. <laughs> oh, boy. That is some great Morse code humor. <laughs> All right, Simon. But we are here not to discuss um, codes or former baseball players. We're here to discuss the Brooklyn Nets, a team that has won 20 of their last 23 games. They sit atop alone, Simon, atop the East. And they're doing it all without Kevin Durant. I got to say, Simon, today, for the very, very, very first time in my life, I found myself (laughs) genuinely believing that there is a chance that this is actually the best team in the NBA. And barring some sort of internal collapse, which is highly likely with the volatile mix of personalities that we have, (laughs) but barring some sort of internal collapse, I just don't know that any other team in the NBA has enough talent to compete with this team. LeBron is still around. So the Lakers, you know, have a shot, I guess, if they're fully healthy, I'm a little bit afraid of Philadelphia because they're basically the opposite of us. Huge uh, defensive monsters. Um, But, I don't know. Have I have I fully drunk the Kool Aid here, Simon? Is this talk talk me down from this high that I'm on right now? Well, um, with pleasure. No, um, I mean, look, I I feel higher on this team than I than I ever have. Um, it, I I mean, they're they are a very good very good regular season team. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think they were 11 and two in the month of March. They've like won 20 of their last 23 games. Um, they just don't lose very much and, um, you know, uh, yeah, they've, they've, they've won with just Kyrie now a couple of games. They've won with just James Harden a few games. Um, so, you know, um, they're, they're very good in the regular season. Again, I, I continue to believe that, um, they are going to hit a hit a pretty hard wall in the in the playoffs because of the physicality that they both lack and are kind of flummoxed by you you can see it kind of at the end of games like there i think there's a part of the reason why sometimes the nets have had trouble like closing out games um though they eventually have have done it lately is that you know those that's the time of the game when like refs are more hesitant to kind of have their whistles determine the the outcomes of of these games. And so they don't call fouls as much like, you know, Blake Griffin gets, you know, they're, they're basically like hugging him at one point against, um, God, I think it was the Timberwolves maybe, but, but they, you know, they were just like all over him and, and they weren't calling him and that that's just going to happen. And that sort of thing is going to happen throughout games, um, in, in the playoffs. And I just don't think we have anyone who, who can kind of answer to that. In addition to which we have no wing defense, Really, like we have no, we we have not one like defender who who I feel comfortable having like a good wing player go against. You know what I mean? How about Nick Claxton? 
Yeah, that's true. Nick could do it, but he kind of want Nick. Brucey B's a little. It's true. I, I I actually think Nick Claxton is a good answer to that. I think like I would be curious to see Nick Claxton on um on like a Giannis. <laughs> okay, I was, I was just praying you weren't going to say LeBron. <laughs> No, I mean, well, no one's going to beat LeBron, and, and no one's going to like beat any of the like best wings, right? But but you kind of hope to kind of slow them down a bit. Um, but I wonder if Giannis Giannis might be a little too powerful for for poor frail Nick, and some of these longer wings, you know, are are just a little too big for for Bruce Brown. Um, so I, I continue to be nervous about those things. But look, you know, regular season they they've been great. Yeah, I'm still I'm still feeling the buzz in spite of your attempt to buzz kill, Simon. <laughs> uh, let's turn to the topic du jour, which is Nets Big Men. We have long lived in the wilderness of big men, Simon. The they, the Sean Marks era has not been defined by its fours and fives. We have always had thrilling guard guard work, guard play. We've had your your D'Angelo's and your Karis Leverts and your Spencer Dinwiddies, but we've never had, as we've discussed, anyone better than Quincy Acey at the four. <laughs> and uh, you know, Jared Allen was an exciting five, but um, then we had the DeAndre acquisition, which. Hampered that, as it has so much about this team, but we'll get into that in these rankings. So what we're going to do in our segment here is NBA, uh, sorry, Nets Big Men Power Rankings, inspired by friend of the show Alex Schiffer's article in which he gave power rank, he power ranked the Nets Big Men. And I'm just going to give you his ranking, Simon, and then we can get ours out there. All right. Okay. All right. So Alex Schiffer's article, he power ranks the Nets bigs as such. First, KD. Second, Clax, which is an amazingly high uh, ranking for Nick Claxton. The second year big. Third, he has Blake Griffin. Fourth, he has Jeff Green. Fifth, he has DeAndre Jordan. Sixth, he has LaMarcus Aldridge. And seventh, he has Reggie Perry, my guy. He does not include Alizé Johnson on this list. Um, I'd say the thing that jumps off the page to me is is when he wrote this article, Alex Schiffer was way down on LaMarcus Aldridge, putting him below DeAndre Jordan, who is essentially the object of infinite net scorn at the moment, at right. least Nets fan scorn at the moment. Um, how do you feel about about his rankings in general, Simon, and then let's get into our own. Sure. Um, yeah, I think DeAndre is definitely the worst, uh, so I, I disagree with that. Um, I do – my one thing is like I think Nets fans may come to to be closer to where um, Alex Schiffer is on LaMarcus Aldridge when it's all over. Um Okay. Well, let's let's uh, get into why you're thinking that. But I but I want to give in terms of current net rating as a Nets, I want to give you the one through uh, eight. Okay. Okay. And now I've excluded KD because we can all just agree without including him that he you know he's number one on whatever list. If it's big men, if it's uh, players, if it's guards, whatever point guard, any anything you want to say, KD is going to be number one on this team, right? Um, ex- unless it's uh, games played. <laughs> <laughs> Which even Kyrie is whooping his butt. And out. I, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to say that I have any great insight into what the medical staff thinks or does with the Nets, but I will say that two weeks ago I predicted it would be minimum two weeks. <laughs> Last week I predicted it'd be minimum. We wouldn't be talking about his return this podcast. And guess what? We're not doing. We're not talking about KD's return right now. Um, so anyway, I'm going to give you the current net rating of the or the from top to bottom of the bigs and then we can discuss our own ranking so aldridge is number one he's only played one game and he was spectacular like the plus minus was spectacular that one game for him uh two is griffin 
Three is Claxton. Four, interestingly, I did include Durant in this, but we're not going to include him in our rankings. Four is Durant in terms of on-off. Five is Jeff Green. Then six is Perry. uh, Sorry, six is Jordan. Seven, Perry. Eight, Alizé Johnson. So roughly the same as Alex Schiffer's, except for Aldridge's way up at the top. So let's turn to our own personal rankings who do you have as the best big on this team? Uh, Nick Claxton. Why? Um, I, I just think that he is so good defensively that he takes a lot of pressure off of our other players, and he's not a zero offensively. Like, I think he's better offensively than maybe, like, Jared Allen, even. Um, who I know was not, that's not like high, high praise, but like Jared Allen, you know, has been in the league for longer. And I, I already think that Nick Claxton is, is better, um, offensively. Yeah. Um, I, I agree totally with you. Um, defensively, he is a revelation in, in his ability to guard one through five and offensively, all we really need him to do is to rim run and right. he could do that as well as almost all of them. Uh, maybe you could say DeAndre Jordan is slightly better at catching a lob, but Nick Claxton's pretty good. One thing that Nick Claxton can also do is uh, dribble, which right. uh, none of the other, or at least, uh, you know, certainly DeAndre and definitely Jared Allen could not do. Um, I have noticed at least last game against um, the Rockets. Yep. Uh, he... He's not – he's sometimes not prepared for the pass on offense. Yeah, like a, when he got hit in the face. Like when he got hit. He got, he got hit <laughs> twice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, that you know, that's – but that that's going to come – you know, the more experience the guy gets, um, I think, you know, he'll – He'll get better at that. And because we have such a limited need for him offensively and he fits that fine, I do think that there's a strong case for him being number one. I have him as the number two, and I actually have Aldridge at number one. Whoa. With a a major caveat, it's way too soon to tell. But here's my reasoning for Aldridge being the number one. Uh, One... He is the straw that has broken the camel's back of DeAndre Jordan ever playing again. And for that, he deserves not only a number one in this meaningless ranking that we're doing right now, but he deserves a parade down Flatbush Avenue, okay? And while we're at it, shut down Atlantic Avenue, too. Just bring the city to its knees in honor of LaMarcus Aldridge for ridding us of the... (laughs) Uh, play of DeAndre Jordan. Um, that said, I I do think I in the first showing of Lamarcus Aldridge, I I think we saw the potential of how he could be how he could fit really well on this team, and also a little glimmer of the dark side. So <laughs> the 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 upside for me on him is one he's. He's enormous. He's listed at 6'11", but I have heard that he, in person, looms larger than almost any other NBA player. And looking at him on the court, he is bigger than everyone else out there. So Mm -hmm. I think that he's at least a seven, like a legitimate seven-footer. He's big and experienced in that way. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really stood out to me and how I think he could be really interestingly used was his passing. Yeah, um, he was really good not only of passing out of the post when they collapsed on him, but also just really quickly making reads and essentially not even catching the ball, but just sort of uh, you know in the air catching and then dishing it out to a wide open Joe Harris or something like that. So if De- if Lamarcus is down to be a facilitator in that way, because he will draw attention, like his he is he can be a really efficient post player. So if he can draw people down and he is willing to pass out of that, I think he can be exactly what this offense needs in order to get really easy three-point looks. But one thing that you couldn't help but see is the other side of him, which is the less 
generous LaMarcus, right? The one who isn't looking to pass and the one who is a black hole and thinks that every mid-range turnaround that he takes is a good look. And I'll just say from the few, I mean, he had a great game, but he was four for 10. And there were some dog shots in there, you know, like shots you could tell maybe five, six years ago in his all NBA days, he was, he was lights out at. He's mm-hmm. just not getting now. So if he if he can maintain the uh, the willingness to distribute and and sort of know his role on that and and not become the the bla- the black hole on offense, I think he can be great on that end. And I was encouraged by his post game comments. And then I'll stop talking about Lamarcus Aldridge. His post game comments. The first thing he said about why he was excited to be back in Brooklyn, or sorry, not back, but in Brooklyn, was. Um, because he he thought he could contribute a lot on defense by talking to the guards and doing and that was like the first thing he referenced. So that's clearly something that's been beaten into his head by you know when he's had conversations with coaches and and probably other players is that he needs to sort of be an anchor for the defense when he's out there. So if he's I know he's not like an elite defender, but if he's putting in energy, he's much more mobile and versatile and big out there than DeAndre Jordan. I don't think he's nearly as good as Claxton on defense, but I think that he may be able to open up more stuff offensively, and that could that could launch him into the number one spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have um, LaMarcus at three. Um, and what are your, what your, are your point, reservations to, about him? My reservations are, to your point, he was four for ten. Now, I not only take – I'm a little wary of a big man shooting 40 percent. I am wary of LaMarcus Aldridge taking ten shots. Now, look, it was just Kyrie out there, perfectly fine to shoot ten times in in that particular scenario. But to your point, if he's playing in a game where two of the three superstars are, are in the game, we cannot be giving him ten shots. Um, especially, yes, to your point, if they are post-up, c- cooking on the block, um, turnaround fade, fadeaways. Yeah. Okay, so you've got him number three. I've got him number one and Claxton number two. Who is your number two? Thank you for the question. It is Blake Griffin. Ooh, okay. Um, who I have just been delighted by so so far. Um, I really, you know, he continues to just go after loose balls and um, just doing like little little things uh, and and seemingly happy to to do that to be the scrapper. Um, and um, yes, is is it's a very small sample size. We will see, but his super high plus minus, I think, at least in in part, has to do with those sorts of like plays going going after um, rebounds, do, doing the, the the dirty work. So I and and you know he's can shoot a three that's wide open, which you know he and Lamarcus are going to get a lot of. So that that's good. All right, that I have uh, Blake coming in at number four, right behind my man, Uncle Jeff Green. Oh. So I I see Green and Blake as as really similar uh-huh. right now, but I think that Green is just slightly has a slight edge. On Blake, so he, Jeff Green is currently shooting forty-one point four from three on the season, which is a spectacular rate. And you yes. saw that in the in um, the Rockets game; he was just drilling it. Um, he's a little more div- uh, versatile defensively than Blake. He's still got a little more athleticism, and that also manifests on the offensive end. He cuts and dunks with a violence that. Um, basically no one else on the team does, which is sort of what Blake used to be able to do. But Jeff Green gets some really nasty dunks, and he just has more lift and, and speed, I think, than uh, than Blake Griffin. I'd say that the, the weakness, um, or rather the, the thing that Blake is a little bit better than Jeff Green on is playmaking and passing mm-hmm. ability. Um, and that's why it's kind of a fuzzy 3-4 for me. Uh, I would be happy with both of those guys in like the the ten to fifteen minute range. Um, yeah. 
and sort of a hot hand sort of situation, which one gets a little more run in a night. But I just think that Jeff Green shouldn't be totally overlooked in this conversation. I think he's had a really good season and does bring a lot for them, uh, at least offensively. I, I don't know how, how good he is defensively. Yeah, I mean, I, to, to, I, 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 I totally agree. I, I think two through four are pretty close for me. To me, Claxton is is clearly the best, but 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 two two through four are are pretty similar in terms of how how helpful they'll be, and, and maybe I'm overrating Lamarcus honestly, but but we'll see. But um, but yeah, I I um I really like Jeff Green too. Um, I I think that yeah, I don't I agree with you. I don't know how good he is at defense per se, but the fact that he can switch and not be terrible. Um, is really useful for this particular offense or defense. Defense, right. The, the all switch all the time. Right. So I think that then we can confidently lock in LaMarcus, Claxton, Green, and um, Blake Griffin as our one through four in some order. I, I feel like all four of those guys will continue to get minutes in each game and could meaningfully contribute in the playoffs as well. And I would say everyone after this point, all the bigs after this point, are not realistically getting minutes, probably in the regular season or or the uh, certainly not in the playoffs. And that's uh, DeAndre Jordan, Reggie Perry, and Alizé Johnson. I like Perry and Johnson. Like, Johnson has been kind of exciting out there, but he's undersized. Uh, it's unclear if he's actually good in meaningful minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not unclear. I think I think it's pretty clear. He probably wouldn't be very good if he were going against <laughs> the best competition. Like, the, you know, the game, his best game uh, was against the Jazz, and we lost by, I don't know, 324 points or whatever it was. <laughs> so, you know, you don't really want to hang your hat on, on Johnson. But, you know, he's exciting for the future. I hope maybe we hold on to him. Um, and I just want to, again, celebrate that this could be the transition of DeAndre Jordan into a full-time bench mob cheer section leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that's, that's great. I did an entire breakdown last episode, uh, of his on-court, off-court numbers. Spoiler alert, the Nets are a significantly better team with him not on the court. Um, so go back and check that out. If there's any lingering doubt in your mind that DeAndre Jordan is a net negative on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I heard another stat about, uh, DeAndre Jordan on a podcast I was listening to. I think, um, Kevin O'Connor mentioned this on the latest mismatch, but he said, and this sums up all of the reasons why Nets fans have reason to be frustration frustrated with, uh, Deandre Jordan. He said in the first quarter, the Nets are a minus 10 with Deandre Jordan on the court and a plus seven when he's off the court in the first quarter. And this is a lived experience that every net fan will identify with every game. It seems like we end up having to dig ourselves out of a massive, massive hole. And um, it's seemingly exclusively because of DeAndre Jordan, because as soon as they didn't start him, and they put uh, LaMarcus Aldridge in his place. We started off with like a 30-point lead in the first quarter. It was insane. And so, you know, I don't. I think it's going to be better for the team to not have to have to put on their rally caps every game because we've started <laughs> DeAndre Jordan. Not to mention, how insane is it that DeAndre Jordan is playing with three effing MVP candidate-level players? And yet he said there's a net minus 10. When he's on the court in that time, <laughs> it's just insane. Like, like I don't know, I, you know, you, you could watch him play and be like, oh, that's lazy. And that's, you know, he doesn't seem to be able to do much on defense except stand in the paint. And, uh, you know, there, there's something to the eye test of him being bad. But you look at any of these numbers uh, and, <laughs> and you're just your jaw dr- like I feel like one of us could be out there and, and achieving this level of, of on court, you know, <laughs> cancer status yeah i mean do you yes i i mean i i I, you you've been beating the drum 
for for this for a long time. You, th- this is a special day for you. Um, <laughs> do you think? Do you think two two things? I, I will admit that I, for a time, like especially after Jarrett was traded, DeAndre seemed to be reinvigorated. He seemed like he was trying more to me. And I know you never bought that. Maybe you were right, but but I I, I did sort of see some glimmer of hope that like without Jarrett there, he was going to just be able to like buckle down, focus. The starting role was his, and then like once Claxton was there, it was like oh god, anyone who's who's like <laughs> over six ten is like better than me. No, it's it's I yeah I I there is never I have never wavered for a single moment. In my dislike of having him um, on the team, I never thought I never saw a glimmer of hope. I mean, there are mo- he has some great dunks. He is a violent dunker, you know. Yeah. Like that's that's cool to see. But I I I genuinely don't think if if he is on the court, if he I mean, hopefully. No one can actually try this at home again because he won't ever be on the court again. But if he gets playing time again, just watch him. Watch him on defense. Don't watch whatever else is going on on the court. Just watch DeAndre Jordan for a few plays, and you will fully understand why he why the team is so much worse when he is on the court. <laughs> you don't have to so, be I mean you put put an alien who's never seen basketball before tell him to watch DeAndre <laughs> Jordan and one they won't ever want to watch basketball again but two they will realize that that guy is doing is is not doing anything on on the court So do you think obviously if somebody gets injured he'll he'll get he'll likely get playing time but do you think barring an injury in in the the front court he he'll be in the lineup I I ask this because uh, I know he didn't play, but uh, the last game. But the way Nash described it, he was like, you know, I told DeAndre before the game, you know, we gotta, we gotta um, integrate Lamarcus. Not saying, hey, we gotta kick you out of the starting lineup. Now, maybe that's just a nicer way of saying he's out of mm-hmm. playing ever again. Yeah, but. Um, I, I don't know. Right. I mean, it, it depends. I obviously hope that. That is the Steve Nash's attempt to be kind, <laughs> right? And to not just explicitly say, yeah, he is never going to play for this team again. Uh, because it is my sincere hope that the next time we have to have a DeAndre Jordan talk, it is going to be uh, in the off season when we can say, all right, uh, how much are we going to have to get up, give up to get off his contract, or is it worth buying him out? Those are the two conversations I want to have about DeAndre Jordan. Which of those two <laughs> options are we going to pursue? I never, ever, ever want to have to spend an hour of my life looking at advanced stats that all say the same thing. This guy is terrible for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> and I mean, you know, like I'm glad he's friends with uh, players on the team. Everyone needs friends around, you know? I, I would, if I were on a team, I'd want you around. I don't Thanks, care. Thanks, William. Yeah. And uh, not to say that, you know, you'd be bad on the team. You'd probably be much better than DeAndre Jordan. But it's nice to have <laughs> friends around, is my point. Uh, and uh, but that doesn't mean that they should play. And it's clear <laughs> at this point that he that he's going his his contract was always an albatross. It's more glaringly so now. Uh, I I hope we can we can get off of it without giving up. You know, I, I mean, we don't really have any more first rounds to give up. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how we're going to move it. I, but you know, after this season, it's only twenty million. If right. you stretch that over a certain amount of time, that's really not that bad. But that's basically the DeAndre Jordan conversation I want to be having. I I'm I'm hoping that. Th- that that game was foretelling what was about to happen. Sure. Now, William, my last cue for you on this one. Do you think Sean Marks should call Kenny Atkinson and apologize? Because, because I, I imagine Kenny is sitting there on his little assistant coach bench saying, Hey, if you guys wanted a coach who wasn't going to play Deandre Jordan at all, I'm your guy. Remember? (laughs) Remember me? I didn't want to play him either. And, (laughs) Yeah. Cost me my job. I think that um, 
that the Clippers organization right now are getting frustrated because they're like, hey, Kenny, where's where's that report on, you know, player <laughs> development internally here? He's like, I'm sorry. I was running the same the same numbers William was. DeAndre Jordan is a nightmare out there. Always has been, always will be. It's proof. <laughs> I was just starting the person who was better than DeAndre. <laughs> we you used to even say playing a him. person. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, we got a second year guy here. Oof, DeAndre's gonna be eating pine. Clax <laughs> has played about fifteen games. We gotta get him in there. <laughs> it's a revelation. Yeah. <laughs> if you're tall and you're playing with James Harden, it's gonna be really easy for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and this is something I think we'll save, but because uh, it'll be it'll become more of a conversation the closer we get to the playoffs. But we've just discussed four guys, all of whom I'm comfortable with, at least as of right now, getting minutes, four big men getting minutes. But if we're assuming that KD is going to be the four, right, and he's in the playoffs going to play 40 to 42 minutes, that means there's about you know, 56 minutes to go around with these four guys, which is about 14 minutes a player. Uh, and that'll be really interesting to see by, by the time we get to the playoffs, if they're able to get all four of these guys minutes. I, I agree. And I also think we might see some time with Katie at the three, cause we have some, some slack at the three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean TLC has has not been lighting the world on fire. No. Uh, unfortunately. But I think this was a good a good deep dive. I think it's important like uh, you know, y- you can fill out the the Reggie Perry, Alize Johnson, DeAndre Jordan, you know, ranking however you want listener. Um but I think I think the important takeaway is that we have four guys that can play four or five that that are legitimately worthy of minutes in an NBA rotation, even on a team like this good, you know? Yeah. So exciting times and very different times <laughs> than I think we've, we've ever experienced. Um, next thing we're going to talk about Simon, and we do not have to spend a lot of time on this is the Michael Rappaport. Uh, Kevin Durant stuff. Now, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I think I skimmed some of the DMs that Kevin Durant sent, and it just struck me as the stuff that dumb jocks say to each other. You know, like, I don't know. I didn't, I wouldn't say I was shocked by any of it. No, I, I don't think it's too shocking. I, well, here's where I do find it a bit jarring is why he's saying that. <laughs> like, he's he's saying, like, meet me on the corner of whatever. I'm going to beat your ass. Like, you know, like, uh, I'm going to spit in your face, et cetera, et cetera. Because Michael Rapoport said something about his demeanor in the Charles Barkley interview. Like, the guy is kind of unhinged about criticism of himself. Like, we, we, we know that, but, like, this is what he's like in his DM. Like, this, this is what he's like when it's not public-facing. Right. Like, he's like, in your worthless wife, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, your, your wife, you know, you're, you're a complete, like, I forget what he says, but he, he insults him and says that, you know, his his wife should be ashamed or whatever. His wife is ashamed of him. Like all all of these, like, and, and, you know, of course, like plenty of homophobic and, and, um, and misogynistic stuff, which is what I think you're definitely getting at in terms of like dumb jocks. And, and that is, uh, you know, yes, I think that's a a big part of, of de sports culture, but, um, which is bad, but, um, but I do think that the part that to me was like, whoa, okay, is like. You're right. I guess more, more interestingly, <laughs> like why does someone who is one of the three best basketball players on planet Earth and, you know, getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars a year um, 
feel the need to uh, lash out at uh, Michael Rappaport or anyone. Right. But I mean, you know right. that, and of course, like that's the whole thing with um, with Ethan Sherwood Strauss's book and and all the drama. Yeah, you know, from like oh, so many Bay Area media people who are just like, "Wow, it was crazy!" Like, you know, I have like a listenership of forty five, and Kevin Durant <laughs> slid into my DMs to tell me that he was going to like rip my esophagus out. <laughs> <laughs> Which yes, you're you're right. That is that is definitely the more interesting part because it's like, what is driving? Like, why why are you that insecure when you're obviously so good at what you do and we're meaningless <laughs> peons who shouldn't annoy you at all? We should be a matter of complete indifference. But yeah, he's obviously a very sensitive, dude. I mean, <laughs> you know, in, in one respect, not his, his language choice is not is not terribly sensitive. <laughs> No, did you see his that he he took he took the um the non-apology to another level with his apology. Did you see that? No, I like I said I really have not paid attention he, to this. Yeah. He said, "I'm sorry that people saw that." Right. That's not right. really what I want people to see from me. Like <laughs> Right. My, if, if, my <laughs> It's a DM for a reason. Right. Um yeah, I mean, of course, any apology would be a forced and obviously fake one, but um, he didn't attempt it. Right. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I was just. I was looking at it from the the uninteresting angle of just like, yep, that's exactly how jocks sound. You know, like they're homophobic and misogynistic. It's not at all surprising. But the interesting part is, yes, why does the one of the preeminent players in the sport <laughs> f- feel the need to slide into so many DMs in such <laughs> a hostile and aggressive matter manner? Um all right, Simon, do you want to do theme or mailbag first? Um let's do the mailbag. Uh, it's a mailbag. All right, so we got a wonderful mailbag from friend of the show, IRL Jay-Z. He's got a few questions here, Simon. We've got two of them coming up. First one, and thanks for hitting us up, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Um, Listeners out there interested in... Having us respond to a question, hit us up on Twitter or at maybe next time at gmail.com. IRLJZ has written. Um, also, I dare you to just straight up do a Nets ranked in terms of hotness because we all agree that Claxton is a really handsome dude. And I think we can also agree that Tyler Johnson is really not doing himself any favors with that haircut. Very much agree that Claxton is super hot. And Tyler Johnson... <laughs> I mean, if I had that hair, I'd probably rock it like that. But yeah, it's not. It reminds me of Carlos Valderrama. Do you remember him? That soccer, soccer was that his name? I don't know. I'm, he was I like don't a know Chilean soccer about. player. You know what? I think I'm mixing up that name. Anyway, never mind. Uh, but his question <laughs> in this part is also: Who knows who's truly the greatest? But Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, fuck, Mary, kill. So Simon, <laughs> FMK. Who are you going for in the big three? Um, I'm going to marry James Harden. I'm marrying him, too. He's as steady as can be. He's your rock. He's my rock. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, I think he's – yes, I think he's the most stable of, of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say fuck Kevin Durant. Mm, I think it, I'm effing Kyrie. It doesn't, it doesn't sound from his DMs like he would like that very much. But, <laughs> no, um, no. But, um, but yeah, he's he's my he's my F. And you're killing Kyrie. I'm killing Kyrie. All right. Uh, next. Uh, yeah, I'm effing Kyrie. Killing KD. Don't need to go into the reasons. Uh, next question from him. Okay, concept. If they weren't pro hoopers, what would our dudes be doing? Would Jeff Green run Green's Greenery, a plant nursery and garden supply depot? Joey Buckets runs a YMCA. Wild speculation. So, Simon, (laughs) I picked two nets and professions that they might have. Great. Um, I'll I'll start first, and you can you, you can go. 
Okay. Uh, so my first one is DeAndre Jordan. And I think <laughs> DeAndre Jordan <laughs> would be a cancerous tumor. No, uh, just a uh, tumor. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think. That's not my – that's not a profession. Um, <laughs> I think DeAndre Jordan would be a networking consultant. Ooh. Uh, he could teach people how to schmooze their way into getting jobs and salaries that they very much do not deserve for any reason other than their ability to make people like them. Okay. Which, obviously, <laughs> he has done with the Nets. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's uh, – he's a people person. <laughs> What's your first one? My first one is I, I think – Kevin Durant should be a social media consultant. And I, I mean this. I understand he gets into trouble on social media. But if you think about some of the most widely circulated and, and most well-known people on social media, they have the exact same temperament as Kevin Durant. Think about the people like Glenn Greenwald, Neera Tandon, Donald Trump. Like, they all have extremely combative personalities. They never let any sort of slight go. They um, – and people follow that. They may not say they like that person, but they they follow that person. They pay attention to that person. Right. And that person's notoriety and fame grows as, as a result of, uh, of that um, personality, I think. Yeah. They're clickbait. Yes. Yes, exactly. All right, my next one. This is a bit of a stretch. Landry Shamit Simon would be a real life crash test dummy. So he knows the car he's in is inevitably going to crash, but he has to go <laughs> along for the ride because he's the, the crash test dummy subject, which is similar to when he shoots a three. He knows <laughs> it's going to clank off the rim, but he's got to shoot it anyway. <laughs> he kind of has a. He kind of has a crash test dummy kind of like um, uh, gate, 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 or like yeah, his movements are kind of similar to the way they kind of jostle. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. <laughs> um, so my second one is Nick Claxton, as mentioned, very handsome, and I think handsome in a particular way that would make him perfect for male modeling. Oh yeah, big time. That's obvious. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think we could go for obvious ones here. So. He's tall. He's <laughs> he's thin. He's you know soft features. Soft. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Very very pretty guy, I believe. <laughs> In a very very male model-y type of way. Did you have any other ones or? Um, I think I had another one, but I forgot. Oh, oh, Joe, Joe, Joe Harris as a, um, as a coffee shop owner and barista. Ah, okay. Yeah. As sort of he when, he, when he adopts his, um, what was it? Lumberjack Joe or what right. was the nickname for Was that his nickname? Yeah. Lumberjack Joe. Lumberjack Joe. But, but I also think just really quickly, I also think that he's, he has just completely transformed himself based on the city he was in. Cause in Cleveland, he came to the nets from Cleveland with a haircut that screamed like, I don't know, like car salesman or something. Like he had the most like middle America, like, um, you know, average dude haircut and then has since transformed into a, a cool Brooklynite. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of him at, at uh, UVA. He had a diff- very different look there. Yeah, it's kind of a bowl cut. No, it looks he looks like um, Grayson Allen. Uh, okay, yeah, that's a that's a deep cut. Sorry. Anyway, let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> um, thanks though for the questions. Those were amazing. Uh, anytime we can talk about how <clears throat> hot we think Nick Claxton is, I think it's good for the show and for our listeners. Uh, all right, theme. Theme time. Simon, as our czar of themes are of fun, what's this week's theme? Folks, we're going California theming. Um, we are, because the Nets have, have um, been branded the league villains, which we've actually, you know, I, I don't want to, um, you know, uh, uh, toot our horns too much, William, but we were on this, on this sort of, 
um, thing, but well before, like as soon as we got James Harden, it was clear we were the villains. Oh yeah. Um, but we have since that has since become much more widespread with the uh, acquisitions of Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge. People are upset that we got them from the buyout market, even though they all simultaneously say that both of those players are not good. Right, they hate us because they ain't us. Right. They hate us because they ain't us. Exactly, <laughs> William. So we thought we would compare some nets to some villains. <clears throat> very, very good. I love this theme. I did more work on it than I did for our flower theme last time. If anyone is interested <laughs> in who my flower tortilla all-stars are, then <laughs> definitely check out the end of last episode. You'll you'll find some illuminating award recipients in that one. All right, anyway, let's hit this up, Simon. My first villain is Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight's character in Jurassic Park. Wayne Knight is Newman, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Newman's character in Jurassic Park, Dennis Nedry. Dennis! <laughs> I have to admit, uh, I uh, had uh. to look up. I had to look up uh, Dennis's last name. I would have never remembered that. Dennis Nedry. Um, in the film, his character's name. Uh, they make him a truly despicable character. There's like there's nothing, you know, oftentimes villains will be rich or smart or good looking or something, you know, is is good. But then they're like an evil character in this. He's just a completely avaricious and gluttonous guy. You know, he just eats crappy food all the time and is driven exclusively by money. Yes. Um, but a very good, like, wicked character. I thought, yeah. like, an extremely memorable character from that film. Uh, and <clears throat> I don't think any net, current net, really fits that, that description, right? I don't think any of them are just, like, un, uh, like, unredeemably bad and evil. Um, but I will say that one... Former net, recent former net, did come to mind. And he was basically the only guy on the Nets team, the old Nets team that was a good vibes only squad that was overperforming, that was sort of the talk of the town. We were we were gonna make the playoffs when we weren't even expected to win twenty games, all that. But there was one little dark cloud sitting there on the end of the bench. With his hood up most of the time, if I remember yeah. correctly. Do you yes. know who I'm talking about? Uh, um, Fareed. Kenneth Fareed is is uh, Wayne Knight's character from Jurassic Park, Dennis Nedry. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. uh uh um, great, great one. Um, so I did for mine, I did exclusively Batman, um, villains. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Are we in Marvel universe or uh, DC right now? It's Simon? DC, William. <laughs> Complete idiot. Uh, is this an Avengers tour? It's Batman. <laughs> I just said it. Okay. League um, of League of what's what's the uh, the new one? League uh, of I, Justice League. Is this a Justice, Justice League? Yeah. So okay, <laughs> okay, it's Batman. I, I have said what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's not a mystery. I just want to situate myself in the appropriate universe right now. Okay. So yes. Good. Good. Good stuff there. Okay. Uh, Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, my first one is uh, the Riddler, which I think is the perfect Kyrie. Because, folks, if, if you're anything like me, you, you always got the sense that, like, the Riddler was supposed to be smart. Like, he was supposed to be crafty and enigmatic. 
But his riddles were just like dumb and impossible to understand, uh, at least as a kid uh, for me anyway. Um, so t- that's similar to the way Kyrie sort of has these like, you know, attempts to be profound, but, um, you know, really, really hard to understand what, what he's getting at, what he's saying. Um, and I just, and who played the, the was that, um, Tommy Jim Lee? Carey. Oh, Jim Carey. Jim Carey. Right. Tommy Lee was Two-Face. Two-Face Tommy Lee. <laughs> just watched, rewatched not, not... No Country for Old Men recently. Oh, way. yes. Yes. Charming movie. Yeah, I really like that movie. Yeah, it's better. Better. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, like re- upon rewatching it. Rewatching. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to do your other Batman or how many of them do you have? Uh, I have three. Okay. I'll, I'll do mine and then I'll let you go. Okay. Okay. Um, my next one is Matthew Lillard's character in Scream. <laughs> you know, I'm talking it's Stu Mocker. <laughs> S-T-U is how they spelled that, that guy's name, that character's name. Sure, sure. Uh, I did, I had to look that one up too, what his character's name was. I don't remember character names at all in, in films. Um, so in that movie, Skeet Ulrich being a murderer was a, was a bit of a shock, right? You kind of liked Skeet. You thought he was good for Nev, at least for part of it. And then when it's revealed that he's a, a murderer, you're you're sort of stunned. But Lillard's character, he's basically a creep throughout the film. So when it's revealed that he's a murderer, it comes as basically no surprise whatsoever. Absolutely. Um, so, Simon, this one could be perceived as a direct attack on you, but it's it's not okay. okay I'm going am I with getting a, dropped? No, no, no. I, I this is a former net as well, who <laughs> who you always knew all along was the murderer, right? <laughs> um, I'm going with former net, and it seems harsh because I I do like him as a as a, a basketball figure, but for me, it's Karis Levert. Oh, okay, so. Well, can I can you listen to my reasoning for this? So I had to endure five seasons of net fans, including one Nets podcast co-host, telling me that this <laughs> is the year Karis Levert is going to break out. This is the one, and, and then of course an injury would always get in the way. But but the, but beyond the injury, Simon, I never saw what it was that all of you found so <laughs> riveting about Karis Levert, right? He's just, he just to me, he was always a super high usage guy who was a wildly inefficient scorer. So what I did was I looked up his stats since returning to play in Indiana, right? To see if he remains a super high usage guy who's a wildly inefficient scorer, like you kind of always expected Lillard would end up being the murderer. And you're not going to believe this, Simon. On Indiana, he has an effective field goal percentage of 43%. 12% below league average. <laughs> and a pretty damn high usage rate of over 23%. So believe it or not, in yet another role where Karis Levert's about to break out. Watch out, everyone. We got a new all-star in the Eastern Conference. What you actually have is a wildly inefficient scorer who needs the ball in his hands all the damn time. And while I wish him the best of luck and hope that, that hope that he finds success in Indiana, I have a feeling he's going to be the same thing he always was in Brooklyn, which is what I've just described. Get bent. Um. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I want to say I'm sorry to Karis because I like, you know, I like I said, I do like Karis. But I had to listen to so much of your guys' crap about how good he was and how, how he was going to break out. And he's just, he's just a game away from all stardom. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, the, the guy, the guy was our best player in the, the one playoff series where we had any kind of, we had any kind of chance. Uh, I'll always remember that about him. He was fantastic in the playoffs again. Um, in the, in the bubble, um, you know, and, and, uh, so yes, he, 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 he's a flawed player. 
but he shines brightest when the when the spotlights are are, are glaring and uh, oh, and so, I, so it's not over yet. I still have to hear about how, how he's just about to break out. He's on a bat. He's coming off, uh, you know, a cancer diagnosis. I'm sorry, William, but that that's a somewhat difficult thing to uh, to get past. Uh, and you know, he, he he's no Lillard. Okay, he's no Lillard. <laughs> Okay. All right. Who who are, who are your other two right. Batman? My la- my last two. I'll be quick. Sure. Because uh, <laughs> I, I certainly was quick. First, <laughs> <laughs> he's shooting forty three percent. I took a deep dive on that. <laughs> Tooting, taking too many mid rangers. <laughs> Here now, let me let me describe to you mid rangers. <laughs> his shooting distribution map here. <laughs> um. So okay, my my next one is uh, uh, James Harden as the Penguin, because um, he's kind of portly. Um, <laughs> I and... love Danny DeVito. <laughs> I mean, not really in that role, but basically in every he, other role. He is great in that role. He's incredible in that role. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't seen it since I was eight, but you, I'm sure you he gotta was see great. it. And yeah. and. Um, yeah, make make sure the uh, yeah, and you know that was my first my my uh, first crush was Catwoman in that. Ooh, Arg. Is that yes, uh, that's Arg. Michelle uh, Pfeiffer? Pfeiffer? Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer. Uh, the role that defined a, 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 a generation. Anyway, um, <laughs> then the next one is um, uh, Kyrie Irving as the Scarecrow. Okay, now you're no, gonna, no. Sorry, Kevin Durant as the scarecrow. You're gonna have to okay. You're gonna have to remind me who the scare. What what movie is the scarecrow in? I know a Batman movie, but which one? Um, he is in the first. You know, um, the first Batman of the Christian Bale ones. Okay, and what does he do? What's so evil about Scarecrow? He in the movie he um. Which, as you know, was sort of like a more re- – they took a – they tried to make it more like real. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Okay. Um, but he was basically like a psycho- an evil like psychiatrist who had like put together some like chemicals that like if he like sprayed them on you or, or I don't know, released them on you, they would like fill you with fear. Hmm. You don't remember this? It was played by Killian Murphy. The, the, oh, the gr- nice. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. I sort of remember it. Yeah, I just, you know, I just don't care about the superhero stuff. So I don't, my memory for them is pretty bad. Well, Killian Murphy is Kevin Durant, <laughs> who is also very lanky. Sure. Okay. So it's so more of a physical uh, yeah. analogy here. Yes. Okay, great. Killian Murphy, great looking guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know what happened to him. I mean, he he really dropped off the the face of the earth. Well, he was in Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. <laughs> that was a popular That's show. Funny. That was a popular. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's just a funny name. Yeah. But, but... yeah, Peaky's a funny word. <laughs> there's, no, there's no denying that. No, there is not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Simon. To encourage people who have made it to the one minute, sorry, one hour and three minute mark here. Yeah. To leave us a five star, five star review. I'm going to read a recent, and I'm talking like this happened two weeks ago, recent five star that we got. Mighty, mighty. And we love the reviews. We really need them. If, 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 if all of Nets Nation is going to come together under one single podcast, we're going to need these ratings and we're going to need them. From you, our listeners, our beloved listeners. So please give us these five stars. I'm going to show you what they can be like. This one's from RM Salam, and it's titled, It's Nets O'Clock. <laughs> it's a really great review. It's, it's, I mean, it's, you're going to feel good after this one, Simon. Okay. Uh, to Erudite. Ooh, I love that. Fun. <laughs> Fun host guides you through the highs and lows of being a loyal citizen of Nets Nation. There are more polished and professional Nets podcasts out there. 
Well, we'll concede that for sure. Especially yes. now that the team is one of the most celebrated in the league. But you won't find an NBA podcast that is more insightful, rigorous, or pleasingly zany. Come for the incisive Nets analysis. Stay for the idiosyncratic pop culture analogies of which we have just given a bunch. I mean, I doubt anyone woke up today when you're listening to this thinking that you would hear Matthew Lillard's name in a <laughs> Nets podcast. <laughs> and honestly, I'd be willing to go out on a limb. I'm not going to go back and listen to our entire catalog, but I would bet you that's not the first time we've discussed Matthew Lillard on this show. No, I can't imagine. I would be genuinely shocked. <laughs> but I would bet that no other Nets podcast and possibly no other NBA podcast has ever talked about Matthew Lillard before. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much for that Yeah, uh, thank review. you very, very much. That is incredibly... Uh, <laughs> that was a great synopsis of what we try to bring each and every unrelenting week simon it has been an absolute pleasure talking big men and um villains and mm-hmm. uh potential uh post nba careers for nba player for nets players with you today yeah uh let's hope the good times keep rolling do you think we got to end every podcast these days with this big question do you think we're going to see kevin durant by the time we podcast next. I do, William, I do. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna swing for the fences once more. I'm gonna say next time we meet, next Saturday, we will still not have seen K D in another game. But I do <laughs> think by the next time by the following time we meet, he will have played one. Okay. So fingers crossed on that front. Thank you, Nets Nation, for listening. We love you. We will talk to you very, very soon, and we'll go ahead and uh, see ya. It's tired of my lady. We've been together too long. Like a worn-out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping. The paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read